all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nookie spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones. The game winner got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday holiday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher. Another start to an exciting week for ETSU Athletics. We'll recap the game in Boone, North Carolina, as the Bucs took on the Mountaineers. We'll hear from head coach Randy Sanders. There's a segment Mike comes up with. It's terrible. And then we'll go over bold predictions. How's that? How about you going over the entire show front to back in order accurately on a Monday? That is a shocking. Labor Day Monday. Yes, a holiday Monday. And a happy Labor Day to you, Jason. And, and, yeah, you too. Is that we both limped in here. Look rough. Yeah. I got a lot to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you're in rough shape when you got the hat on. That's yeah. usually the giveaway for you, and you've got the hat today. Me, I've got like you know 10 pounds of water that is seeping over me yeah, trying did, to just I, wash did you, away. Did you literally bathe in the sink before you walked in here? Well, that's not a new thing. Is I know you've not? done that before, too. Oh, yeah, of course. We're, we're yeah, not the most right, plan-ahead yeah. type guys, and when you no. need a quick little splash on the face, then you have to do it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's start with the game. Uh, first of all, it was exciting uh, to be back in Boone. Uh, I certainly enjoyed uh, going back there. Some nostalgia and all that went away once you you tee it up and kick it off at three thirty-five there Saturday. And I thought ETSU. You know, the score scores can be deceiving. I've been a part of forty-two-seven games where honestly you got hammered and it felt much worse. And I've also been sort of like Saturday. I've been a part of 42-7 where it wasn't maybe as bad as the score indicated. And, you know, to, to most folks, they just see 42-7. I think that happens around the country. Sometimes people just see scores. Oh, man, that, 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 that's it, right? It's like Jacksonville State got beat by Southeast Louisiana, but they were two sort of fluky touchdowns. So it looked like a, a drubbing where maybe it wasn't, right? You know, it, it didn't feel that way. I think most fans that I've talked to, uh, rather it be uh, – you know, at the grocery store or pumping gas or even at church uh, yesterday, it seemed like they were all very pleased with what they saw and what this team could look like moving forward. I'm 100% with you, and the score lines can be deceiving category, and I do think Saturday was one of those. You know and listeners know if you listen Friday and just, I think, have listened in general to this show that I'm probably a bit more pessimistic going into games like this than you are. You thought it would be probably a two- or three-touchdown game. I thought it would be closer to the 35-45 point threshold. Um and ETSU, I was thrilled to see how they came out and played. I know it's weird to say 42-7, thrilled at the outcome. Maybe I'm not thrilled at the final score, but 21-7 late in the third quarter. Uh, the defense lived up to every expectation I think anyone would have put on them and the fact that uh, they really held down what can be an explosive Appalachian State offense that averaged 38 points per game last year. Yeah, they got to 42, but there were a number of moments, and we can talk about those in a little bit, that really changed the game to make that outcome look a bit more alive. 
lopsided than it actually was. I thought it would be, again, even more lopsided than it was, especially considering the circumstances that you eventually had to face. Chance Thrasher goes out uh, early in the second quarter with an injury. You have to turn to a guy that hadn't thrown a collegiate pass, at least on a game day, uh, in a game, in Trey Mitchell, and he performed uh, exceptionally. Blake Bockrith on, I guess, which was a launching call from what you said on the broadcast on Saturday in the Buccaneer Sports Network. Yes. So it was originally thought of as maybe a helmet-to-helmet, -helmet, but they called targeting, then they had to review it. They upheld it. I'm not sure if there were any angles that I saw or that you saw or anyone really because the hit was so late and it did seem well, like a late and, hit. And that was one of the few booths I've been in that there, there wasn't a monitor oh, okay. at all. So so we didn't even – and then the one that the coaches had to the box to our right was just turned so I mean, we couldn't see it. And, obviously and I had the game on in here. And yeah, and I had the game it, on in here. I just didn't really get it, a good view at it. It was later found out, I think, uh, uh, a couple of our guys just asked one of the officials. And sometimes mm. that happens. You get a break and say, hey, look, we don't want to bother you but what, what exactly was it was that for when he did and said uh he had launched himself and, and so, it made its way up to you yeah right and, and so we found out later but i don't know uh when it got reported i don't think they saw it either and uh there is a little bit that thinks maybe the frustration because that was the the play it was a double whammy because it was coming off the pass interference call from jeremy lewis right then, Which was then a horrible call. then they score and you get the and so it just kind of you know, maybe that was a, a, a bad play by, by a guy who has actually played a lot of snaps in Blake Bockerth. And the good news is it was a first uh, – it's never a good news get ejected, but he won't miss any time in this game as uh, you basically miss two halves. Even if you get ejected on the last play of the first half, that counts as a half. So, it, it, you know, he'll come back. I think Jalen Porter came in. There were a lot of guys that were – that were fighting. I thought the the big category that ETSU really struggled last year that I was curious to see how they would do this year was first down plays. They still had a hard time with that uh, a season ago. They've had a hard time since football's been back. And ETSU, it's a little, again, numbers can be deceiving, but they only averaged 3.2 yards on first down. A couple of those were some self-inflicted, um, you know, mishandle of a snap, there's some false starts, you back up, so then you're, you're first and 22, so you may just hand it off up the gut. So there's a few things, I think, that, that, that went into that. Maybe skew those stats. Yeah, exactly. Bit, you know? But still – Still leaves I, it second and seven on average. And then App State had uh, five yards, 5.1 yards on the average first down. And mm -hmm. that shows you. Now, third down conversions, I thought ETSU was pretty good at 40%. App State a little better at six for 10. But some of those numbers at ETSU had really been, been struggling – ETSU was only about 60% from third and short last year. In the game against Appalachian State, they were four for five. And they were able to actually – Nap State knew they were going to run the football for the most part. ETSU lined up and ran it right at them. That, some of those things are encouraging to me because there were two or three plays I tried to talk about when we were killing a little time before Coach Sanders came up. There were some plays that ETSU had set up beautifully that – an offensive lineman for ETSU would be able to get down the field and get a safety in the SOCON. He wasn't able to do that against Appalachian State. We've talked about their, their speed maybe at, at nauseam, as people kept telling me. I was talking about it all the time. But it was a huge factor in the game. And there are a couple of plays their defense made by just their guy kind of standing away in backside pursuit that I don't think would happen in the Southern Conference, and some of those plays would hit for big play. So some of that stuff I think Coach Sanders may ask him in the press conference today – you know, hey, were there a few plays you saw that 
App State made that you think, you know, in our league, that's probably going to go for a much bigger gain than what it actually did. So you talked about some of those self-inflicted wounds. I want to go over just a couple of the plays and areas of the game where I thought it really could have been a different, maybe not a different outcome in the sense that ETSU wins the game. I'm not sure that there was any point during the game where I thought, "Ah, I think the Bucs can really pull this out if a thing goes this way or that way. But uh, three procedure penalties in the span of like two minutes on that second drive for ETSU, I thought really hurt. And that was just one way they shot themselves uh, in the foot. There weren't many others, I didn't think, but you did have some calls go against you the whole right before the half. I thought that really hurt because you're in after the big play to Braxton Richburg down the seam. He hangs on after taking a huge hit. You're within Tyler Keltner's range. And heck, you may have even been within Tyler Keltner's range on the 37-yard line. J.J. Germans told me he's hit 57-yard field goals, Keltner has. But uh, on game number one, you maybe don't want to shatter the kid's psyche by sending him out there for his first collegiate kick, uh, first collegiate field goal at least. And he misses it left, right, short, and all of a sudden gets in his own head and things just kind of snowball. So the half ended up running out. The holding took the Bucks out of that quote-unquote field goal range. So that was unfortunate. The second and 22, where Zach Thomas, uh, I believe that was the first drive for Appalachian State, or their first scoring drive at least. Uh, I, I think first scoring drive where they went up 7 to nothing goes for 27. Uh, I don't think there's much that you can point to of saying that's a bad break. It was just Zach Thomas making a Zach Thomas play. He's very good. Um, the cha- of course, the Thrasher injury, though, you know, Trey Mitchell came in and played, I thought, very well for a first collegiate uh, appearance. A couple other things, the penalties we mentioned on Jeremy Lewis, uh, the Blake Bockerth ejection, that penalty as well. Uh, going forward on fourth and one at the Appalachian State 33 in the fourth quarter, you didn't have a choice. It was the right call, but from there things kind of spiraled out of control, it seemed like. And then, of course, the Appalachian State miracle TD that you called uh, so eloquently. Uh, there were like eight different things that could have gone the Bucks' way, and we'll actually hear from Coach Randy Sanders in segment number two on that. But that was a fluky type, not sure how it ended up in Thomas Hennigan's hands for the touchdown. Uh, but then you say, you know, there were a couple things that maybe ETSU was fortunate for. They put the ball on the ground twice in their first uh, two drives and got it back both times. And, and again, Mitchell's play. I don't think you'll expect a quarterback that hasn't played a collegiate staff to come in and go 12-19 and for 117 in a score. So maybe it does even out at the end of the day, but there were a lot of points in the game where I was like, man, if this just could have gone this way, maybe it's a one or two score game. I also think it was impressive. ETSU sacked twice, zero yards. They only had six negative six yards tackle for loss. So all those negative plays, and that was actually on that um, a run. They threw a swing pass to Malik McGue. That was really right. the, about the lone tackle for a loss. Everything else, ETSU was able to get back line of scrimmage. Uh, on the flip side of things, Bucks tackled Appalachian State for negative thirty three yards and uh, negative six yards on the sacks. So uh, it was interesting to see. Uh, sort of how ETSU was able to kind of hold their own there uh, as far as those numbers go. So there really wasn't a lot uh, negative one way or another as far as that. So they're able to push the pile. So I think the line play uh, was good, and I think you're right. At the fourth and one wasn't converted. There was a little bit of the last gasp to to stay in the game. Kind of had that feeling. And at that point, I think the coach staff made a little bit of um, conscious effort to okay, Nasir player get some guys Fock in, with yep. some of you guys. Let's let's get out. And I, I mean, again, I'm not saying other guys didn't compete, but certainly when you take your defensive player of the year off the field, it, it changes things dramatically. Yeah, that span where they got the fourth touchdown, Appalachian State did on that 31 yard completion to Hennigan in the end zone where the ball was like there were two ETSU players that ran into each other and and uh, 
the QB was hit, that being Thomas, you know, as he was throwing. Then you have just a couple minutes later the fourth and one, and then there's two more touchdowns for Appalachian State. So the last 16 minutes certainly were, I think, an outlier as opposed to how the rest of the game went. Jacob Saylor's didn't get a lot of touches, and that was disappointing for me because that's a guy that averages 7.2 yards per carry last year and is very active in the passing game. Um, he didn't catch a ball and had only three touches for zero yards. I'm not sure if he was on the field a ton less than you were expecting, if he just didn't get the looks, maybe if they're just trying to slowly work him back in, if the game just didn't unfold from the right way because there's those weird things where, you know, you see – coaching coaching staffs maybe go away from a certain guy based on situation I don't know how you felt when it was disappointing though for me to not see Jacob Sailors get the ball more. I, I'm guessing it was a little bit of that um, now he was out there on some pass routes they just didn't find him right you know and, and I think um, again when you talk about some speed and everything else there was a couple times actually I think Robert uh, Harper uh, on the broadcast mentioned Sailors was open on the other side the quarterback happened to look the other way so right. some of that just just kind of fell that way the other thing is I think the the way the game went and and a lot of times running either on you know first down for the most part that's going to be Quay Holmes right he's he's and I know Sailors can get a series here and there but for the most part your first second down is going to be a Quay Holmes touch and then a lot of those third and shorts right you're, you're gonna go Holmes over Sailors so some of it I, I think was just unfortunate uh, that he didn't get the ball and some of it I really think it was just the situation dictated hey we need Holmes to, to have some more touches now clearly moving forward some of those are, are going to change and they're going to scheme uh sailors certain ways i think coach sanders did that last year there were a couple of games where holmes didn't see a lot uh as many touches as we thought and sailors saw more because it just fit what he wanted to do so my my guess is it was a little bit game planned a little more t- towards holmes and then the other was situationally probably unfortunate that that he didn't get some more touches. And late in the game also, like you said, there were others mixing in. DJ Twitty had a couple carries, and uh, obviously there were a couple of quarterback keepers. Cameron Lewis kept the ball six times once he came in, and and obviously we're not going to see Cameron Lewis at quarterback, or so we think, uh, in a lot of upcoming games. Though with the quarterback situation now, I guess things are kind of wide open, and certainly we'll address that with Coach Sanders in the press conference today. And it's not that I think Quay Holmes should get less touches. I thought that the amount of touches that he got uh, was right where he should be. 19 carries, 68 yards, about three 3.6 average, a little lower than you'd like, but against Appalachian State, an FBS team, I still thought that was a very productive and solid day for him. He also caught the ball twice, though uh, those went for a combined zero yards. But 21 touches, I think, is right for him. When we talk about him going into the game, we did, the coaches did, Austin Herrick did with us, Eli Drinkwitz did on the pregame show when he talked with us. It's about getting your best players the ball. And for me, the best players on offense in this order are Quay Holmes, and Jacob Sailors, and I really do think if Sailors is given the opportunity, it's kind of a one and one a type thing because he is so multidimensional. I, I was, a, I totally agree that that I think it has to start with those two guys, right. and I, I was pleased that there were there were some nice plays uh, from the receivers. I think Braxton Richburg not only making a, a a grab off a great throw from Trey Mitchell, but he took a shot and was able to get up. Keith Coffey. I know five for 24 may not wow people, but there were a couple of uh, out patterns to, to move the chains, first down catches that, that desperately needed. And I thought even uh, Nate Atkins, you know, the three catches he had uh, were and went him on his backside, but he had the touchdown grab as well. You know, I, I think kind of seen him. So those guys early on, you know, you saw Couch just the one catch. Uh, now they targeted him a few more. 
but he had the one catch and was able to, to drag people. So, you know, saw his physicality in that for one those guys to get a few more of those guys involved. I think that that's going to be huge for what it can do, especially when you get Holmes getting downhill and then Sailors obviously trying to get him on the edge. This is the last thing I have before we hear from Randy Sanders. I think it's also a good defensive performance just overall, considering. Jared Folks was a late scratch to the contest, and you didn't have Bachrith for the better part of three quarters. So really your two most productive returning linebackers, I'm hoping that Jared Folks will be able to be healthy this coming week. Not sure his status, but with that late scratch and, and not having him, and even if you don't have Jared Folks this coming week again shorter, it may actually be a benefit if he is dinged up. I'm guessing they'll just hold him out so other players will get some more reps, and you can ensure that when the games are more, you know, even, you're talking conference play and things like that, that he is healthy. But especially considering that Jared Folks was a late scratch, not on the field, the defense did did very well. I totally agree. I, I think, uh, again, held their own. There were a lot of times, they, especially early, they bent, didn't break. I think second half, when App State went a little more what they're used to the past several years, then just, just them knowing that system, I think, kind of, Heard ETSU. Plus, I think App State found going motion one way, running back to the short side. Seemed to, it took ETSU a little while to adjust um, to that. And again, you're trying to defend against so much and having Thomas already burn you. You know, you had to account for him on some of those too. So uh, let's hear from Coach Sanders. I thought it was a, again, we're both very pleased. And, you know, this week will look a lot different going up again shorter. And then you jump into conference play against VMI. But we're going to talk to, or at least hear from head coach Randy Sanders, his sound bites after the contest Saturday up in Boone after this time out on Santos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on. Embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Our pirate-sounding Halloween bumper is back. Probably my favorite. It has to be. Yes, you hit it all the time. It must be. Took me, gosh, hours upon hours upon hours to find that. Because we went Facebook Live, and this is kind of an inside-the-trenches type thing on radio, but Pirates of the Caribbean is our local break, quote-unquote, when the stations that are our affiliates take a local break and play their ads. We just play underneath for our purposes and then the radio station's purposes so they can hear when the song is ending, Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, obviously that is copyrighted. Now, it's not going out anywhere, so it doesn't really matter, but we did Facebook Live for the Coaches Show and continue to do Facebook Live for the Coaches Show, and one of our Coaches Shows got taken down because of copyright, and we were like, how is it copyright? This is Jay and Coach Forbes just talking for an hour, and they're like, ah, what would be the one thing? And it Mm. would be Pirates of the Caribbean. Found that, and it is an epic. It is an absolute epic, and I would love to play it out of every break, but obviously we have other things to do. Speaking of other things to do, head coach Randy Sanders. The great thing was I could call a play, stand on the sideline, see the coverage, take my eyes to where I thought the ball should go, and that's where the ball went. 
So that tells me he was seeing things, he was thinking clearly. Now, whether he always hits what he throws at or not, he's at least doing what I'm asking him to do and doing what I'm telling him to do. That's post-game with you in the booth after the contest against Appalachian State, 42-7, to the Mountaineers defeat ETSU. I thought that was a very interesting soundbite. Trey Mitchell comes in, second quarter, plays the final, well, I suppose really the middle two-and-a-half quarters with Cam Lewis coming in. Really, like, it was 12-19, 117 yards, and a touchdown. I was very impressed. Now, you can hear in that soundbite from Coach Sanders that he has a little bit of a critique for Trey Mitchell, and the critique is, and he said this in the press conference last Monday as well, what did Chance Thrasher do to win the job? Well, he hits what he throws at. And so you could hear when he mentioned Trey Mitchell and what Mitchell does well, like, okay, well, he was really seeing the field well. He was doing what I wanted him to do. He's very coachable and et cetera, et cetera. But the one negative he gave was, now, does he always hit what he throws at? And, of course, that is over and above all. If you're a quarterback's coach, a team that needs a quarterback to get the ball out to the receivers, you have to hit what you throw at. I wonder what you think of that soundbite. Am I reading too much into it? And do you think with the performance of Trey Mitchell – what happens going forward? Do, I'm not sure we know the exact injury on Chance Thrasher, but is he a viable option to be the number one guy should Thrasher be out for an extended period? Oh, I, I think right now um, the short answer is yes. I, I think he's he's the guy, and again, we'll know more uh, as we record this show before the press conference, so we, we haven't heard yet on uh, the right. status update on Thrasher. So not knowing, I'm going to say yes. I think he's going to be the guy to start Saturday. Uh, unless, again, something changes with, with Thrasher and all that. But I, I think the high praise was, you know, being a backup for the game, not sure you're going to get in, you get in, and everything coach is asking you to do, you're doing it, you're seeing it, you're executing, you're doing it. Now, he has told me before, Coach Sanders, that, you know, when you look at, at different things, Thrasher and Rydell probably the best throwers of the group. Clearly, Lewis is the best runner of the group. But the best, maybe not going to wow you, but the manager, and who's that sound like? You know, Trey Mitchell, but who who else have you seen be the game manager? Could right? be Austin Herrick. Yeah, and, and that worked pretty well last year, right, to, to the tune of eight wins. They don't kill you. Maybe they're not going to make spectacular. You know, and, and Herrick every once in a while would, would drop a dime like the 30-yarder we saw from Trey Mitchell. And, you know, so they have it in the bag. Uh, it, it's not really their forte. You know, will they run if they need to? Sure. You know, they're not looking to run. You know, and they're probably not going to throw for 350 yards, but they're going to do the right thing, make the right checks, you know, know where the ball's supposed to go on a called play. And I, and I thought, Coach, you know, put a little caveat, you know, it doesn't always – wasn't thrown maybe the best where it was – but I, he's doing what I'm asking him to do. He, I want him in that look against that defense on this read to throw it to this guy. He did that. And eventually he's going to miss a few, but more times than not, if he gets it to him, it's going to be a good play, first down, positive play, keep moving forward. More from Coach. If I remember right, that was a, what, a second and 23, kind of buying on a play-action fake. So that's not the smartest thing in the world, you know. And But you're right. It, it is a game of inches. Jeremy, if, he, if he's able to get there just a hair sooner, if we don't bite up on a run fake, if, you know, we don't collide, if a ball is not underthrown, if their quarterback isn't as athletic as he is or the receiver isn't as athletic as he is. You know, and you got to give those guys credit for, for making the play and doing their job.
Second and 23 was that play near the end of the third quarter. It was the one that made the score 28-7 to after ETSU had scored their first touchdown and maybe had started to build a little bit of momentum, starting to think come back. It's 21-7, to and then quickly Appalachian State moves down the field. Zach Thomas hits Thomas Hedigan 31 yards. I'll go ahead and give you a chance to vent about this play because when I brought it up in segment number one, your eyes went straight to the sky. You gave a bit of a sigh. It seems like you're still struggling to comprehend how this ended up the way it did. This is, to put it in basketball terms, this is – you know, you're on the road, you're playing a top 15 team in the country, and there's a loose ball, you make a great defensive play, there's a loose ball, and somehow the 6'10 center in the corner, it's hit one three in his entire <laughs> career, buries a three. Right. And you just know at that moment, it ain't your day, right? right? You, you, there's no way you're recovering from that, ball game is over. It, it, and, and it wasn't, but it, it it felt that way, because you're sitting there, everything built up perfectly. Either Lewis gets there a little sooner and causes maybe a fumble, gets there even earlier than that, it's a sack, and now it's third and whatever, and, and who knows. Uh, second 23 goes to third and 30-something because he was, you know, it was a play action, plus he rolled out. You're talking 8- to 10-yard loss again. If he's not hit, breaking on the ball perfectly was Tyree Robinson. He's going to pick the thing off. Then he did get hit. Tyree still had an opportunity to come get the ball because it was short, but Zach Yancey, who's trailing the play, who bit on the fake that Coach was talking about, runs into Robinson, and then right about the time they hit each other is when the ball kind of flutters in between them. Hits mm. Hennigan in the basket, who doesn't even really see the ball. <laughs> it just kind of hits him. He kind of juggles it, and he, he kind of backs up and turns, and he's kind of shrugging his shoulders when he gets in the end zone. Like, he kind of knows, like, I don't know what happened, but I just scored. And so – it. It was one of those plays that I equate to I've seen. That the, the best one I can give you is we played Tennessee at Tennessee. It is a, a one-point game, late, maybe two and a half minutes to go, and the ball is knocked away from the point guard, Tate Golden, and as he's going out of bounds, he jumps in the air to swat it back in from the baseline, and it beelines right in the hoop. Like, I mean, you know, would be turnover. He's throwing it back. We got a couple guys waiting on the ball. There's only blue jerseys. Next thing you know, it goes in. So, I, I've just – I guess I've done this enough where sometimes you need some breaks to go your way, thinking maybe get them out. Maybe they don't score. Maybe they do something crazy. Even a field goal, different feeling. All of a sudden, it's 28-7. Final one from Coach. It's hard to be very positive when you when you get beat 42-7, to but – our guys didn't quit, and, and they didn't start pointing fingers, and they didn't start trying to lay blame. We got beat. Wasted one of our opportunities. Now let's go back, get healthy, get ready for opportunity number two, and see what see where that takes us. I don't want to say Coach was happy post game, but if you read between the lines past the we're disappointed, this didn't go how we wanted, we wasted an opportunity, like you said, in that soundbite. Some of the more intricate coach speak, like you heard at the beginning of that soundbite, it really made it sound like what he wanted to see he got from his players. Now, he did say there were a couple players in a different soundbite at the outset of your, your conversation with Coach that they had that look in their eyes is what he said. They didn't want to be the guy that gave up the big play. They they were playing careful. They weren't playing up to the stage. They weren't doing what they had practiced in practice. But he said for the majority of the players that were on the field – and then Sear players, the Blake Bacharis, the Tyree Robinsons were the specific ones that you mentioned, the Quay Holmes. Of course, he's going to get what he wants from them because they're, they're studs, right? They're players. And the Sear player, by the way, got some love from the Senior Bowl president on Twitter who happened to be at the game, had, took a video in a Sear and said, this is one of the best 
FCS prospects out there right now. Keep an eye on him the rest of the year. So that's a really positive thing. Said that he thinks Nasir can get drafted when the draft does come around. Anyway, I digress. Coach seemed to think that the effort was there, that the guys that he wanted to see go out and perform to really prove that they belonged on the kind of stage that they're being given here at ETSU, a lot of them did that. And for me, the post-game interview, it was, you know, maybe Coach wouldn't give his players a passing grade based on performance and outcome, but based on the intangibles, it sounded like he was very happy with pretty much everybody. I, I think there were, you know, coming out of the Tennessee game, he's talked a lot about, he learned a lot about his team, and they had to make wholesale changes in who's going to play where, the two deeps, all that. Who's going to compete, who's going to quit, whatever. It seemed like to me very like in just the one year growth very few guys so that tells me that this team that had that grit from a year ago is still those same guys that are going to battle and do that and so you don't know sometimes you know how because every team stands on its own right it's very easy oh even app state they return so many people but their team's going to stand on their own not what they did last year same thing etsu is going to have that same thing of who is going to be ready but i think I read into that. Last year, we had to kind of go back and redo our two de- our two deep and figure out I was going to compete. Now it's like, okay, you know, a lot of the guys we thought were going to what they were going to be or what they are, we just need to make some small changes and see what happens moving forward from there. That that's what I read into that. And that's okay after week one against the FBS team. You're going to have to make changes here and there, and that's maybe the benefit of playing the games the way that ETSU is this year got the FBS team, then you got the uh, shorter Division II NAIA, I can't remember, uh, one of the two, but you've got a school that's a level down. So you've now seen the ones that you probably are going to rule out at least for a little bit from your rotation, and you're able to now set things up for your conference play with getting the rotation you want in this game against a lower-level opponent, really have guys gel, have them work together, and get them on the same page. So when you do come out for conference play against VMI the next week, you've got exactly what you want. So I think it's better to do things the way that ETSU is this year, coming out of this game at least, and hearing coaches' comments than they did last year because the previous two years, as a matter of fact, you had the lower-level opponent week one. And then last year you had the lower-level opponent week one and then a higher-level opponent week two. And then you didn't know after week two, you thought you had things figured out, but some guys were deer in the headlights and don't belong out there. And then you go into a VMI game that's on a Friday, a kind of short week because of the storm that came in. And if it's not for six VMI turnovers, you maybe don't win that game. And it's a VMI team that certainly should never be around the level that ETSU was last year. Yeah, especially the way that, that it ended. And right. it, there was a, and that game was odd. I think the Friday afternoon, you know, you weren't – that whole week you weren't sure when you're going to play. Which, I mean, and for both teams, I, I think it led to maybe some extra – I think if that game was played on Saturday – Maybe both teams weren't as sloppy uh, as that as that game was, but I think coach seemed to be, you know, as a coach, he's disappointed he didn't win, and I think you could tell that. Like he, he still went in there to try little to dejected. win. He, he sounds a little dejected. Yeah, he didn't like taking a loss. Right. Nobody likes taking one in the L column, so you could feel that. But I really feel like that that he has what he thought his team was going to be. Uh, considering there was some major changes going in, it was about what they were. And I think that's got to be encouraging now as long as there's no more injuries or ejections or anything else going on, that that always can change things. But everything being as is, a couple of minor changes maybe in the two deep. And if you look at the two deep, you can probably figure it out yourself at some point. But you'll be able to see, okay, who's ready 
to step up and, and help us try to uh, defend the ship, if you will. And again, another thing that we'll keep an eye on throughout the week, and you'll hear it on Sandos and the Sidekick on Wednesday and Friday, is that quarterback situation. Maybe another positive of having shorter this week is Trey Mitchell can get a full game under his belt if he is the starter, and if they need him going forward, he can not come into such an adverse situation like he did, middle of a game, third down and 16, and then you're backed up on the well, second drive. And I thought it was important not just to get Cam Lewis in that App State game, but, but I'm going to go the other way. I think if Thrasher's going to be out for an ex- extended period of time, you know, first half, Mitchell, but you're going to have to work in because otherwise you may rely on Lewis, who's only seen 10 snaps. Sure. You know, so, so you may have to. And if Shorter goes – the way they would like to script it is maybe Lewis plays the whole fourth quarter, you know, game in hand, one of those deals, or Rydell or whoever they want to go with. Sure. But, but I, th- I think – Either way to get those two guys. you, you got to get them both. a few snaps. Now, I, rotation, I think right. if Mitchell's going to be the guy while they're figuring out whatever else is going on, then, yes, I think you have to give him a ton of opportunities to, to try to just get familiar with everybody. And then after maybe a game gets in hand, uh, you know – now ETSU's had a hard time in those games, getting those games to where you feel comfortable doing that. They didn't really against Limestone, didn't really against Mars Hill, so we'll wait and see You know, if things changed again shorter. And you mentioned coming up this week, I have talked to Mike Beavers, the play-by-play guy. We're going to try to line him up for Wednesday to see what we can find out. Shorter did not play last week. Mm. And so it'll be their first game. So that that's another positive, I think. ETSU's going to have a game under the belt. Shorter may have some of those uh, things and miscues that you see game one that, that most teams can eliminate by game two. So that that's going in ETSU's favor as well. Quickly, I think you and me both thought ETSU 3-1 and one in their first four. Does your prediction change at all after this first game? No, and, and, it, and it wouldn't have changed, I don't, I don't think, unless – no, I don't think it would have changed. Yeah. I, I mean, 42 – I was going to say maybe if I got – but 42-7 still – a pretty healthy margin. I don't, I don't think uh, it, it changed anything um, unless somehow Quay Holmes had seven fumbles. Then, 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 then maybe you have me questioning the 3-1. But, no, I, I think they're exactly where they're going to be. So, are, are we doing the other segment? Good talk. Are we doing the other segment? We're it? doing the other segment. Oh, jeez. Pros versus Jays. After this, Sales and Psychic, don't forget to download us, subscribe, RSS feed, SoundCloud, iTunes, Twitter, many ways to engulf as much Mike and Jay as you want. That's uh, probably not how you want to word that, is it? All right. Golf. There you go. Santa's a sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Pros. Buckle up for Kobe Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a play. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! In your life have you seen anything like that? In the deep left center for Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow night. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year that has been so the impossible has happened. Edmonds hit 42 home runs during the regular season. And we are going to Game 7 in the National League Championship Series. Oh, 
Versus Jays? I need a shower. I think that's accurate of you today. You yes, could probably use yes. a shower. If a bumper ever was more true than that. Very timely. Uh, uh, yes, I uh, probably still need one. Pros vs. Jays, if you haven't heard the segment before, you're going to love it. I can guarantee you that. Every Monday, we do either Pros vs. Jays or Jay Knows the English Language, another good one, which I think I have a couple of early favorites for. So we may get a Jay Knows the English Language in October, November, instead of only twice this year, because I believe it was twice last year we did it. And they were both phenomenal segments. Maybe my two favorite of the entire year of the 113 episodes that we did. But this week, it's Pros vs. Jays. We take a pro call. Someone that's on big-time network television calling all kinds of sports. Very famous for either um, announcing, broadcasting, or perhaps their playing days. A bit of foreshadowing ahead of uh, this clip. But though he is also now on TV and famous for that as well. And then we match it up against a J call. There is a theme per week. I'd say this theme this week is energy. Here's your most energetic call from this past weekend. Play action. Hit from behind. The throw is behind. Hit again. Oh. Caught and scored. The throw was behind. Zach Yancey ended up running into the safety Robinson. That actually let Hennigan come back to the football, and Thomas took a shot when he threw it. Oh, just several things you thought were going good for the Bucs, and it ended up in a touchdown for App State. That is Zach Thomas to Thomas Hennigan. That is the touchdown we've talked so much about so far in this Monday, late third quarter, made it 28-7. I'd say that was probably your most energetic you were during that game. Maybe that or the Braxton Richburg catch. I'm still upset about it. I don't even want to talk about the play. You've made me talk about it three times today. It was an important play in the game. I mean, it, is, it is. It is. It is. It, to me, it was the ender. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. It, um, the Richburg, I got a, a little juice because, to be honest with you, being in the booth, sometimes you see things develop, and that was – you hear the term sometimes throwing a guy open, and that's what Mitchell did because when he released the ball, Richburg was, was not open, and I was kind of curious because of where the safety position was. And as soon as he released it, uh, and again, this is probably a Mitchell knowing exactly, and this is having trust, right? Knowing the receiver is going to run the route and be where he's supposed to be. But as soon as he let it go, the next step for Richburg, he put his foot in the ground and went more of a, a skinny post, if you will, and then just kind of turned it on another gear, got away from the defender, and the ball was done perfectly to make the catch in time for Richburg to catch it, tuck it, and then absorb a massive hit. So I got pretty excited. Those are probably my two. That and maybe the Nate Atkins uh, backside catch where he had fallen down and reached up and snared it out. I think those three off the top of my head were probably the most energetic. Um, two were positive, and clearly the, the, the one was not. Now, by the way, I can't believe that I've buried the lead for this long, but I'm going to turn to the head of the ship here, and that's you. Sandos on Sandos and the Sidekick, the director of broadcasting here at East Tennessee State University, Matt Wiljum tweeted during the game Drew Bledsoe missed one game Tom mm. Brady came in and never looked back this is what's happening right now on the Buccaneers Sports Network Alan Levine mm. president and CEO of Ballot Health was mm. on color commentary game analyst whatever you want to call it with you and Robert Harper this week Matt Wiljum clearly thinks that his job is in peril do you care to comment director of broadcasting that employs all these people uh, I am going to go Matt will be allowed to come back next week is he on probation? Well, we'll just see. He might have to be. We'll just see. We'll see what how we'll see how short it goes. Now I think Allen did a pretty good job. Yeah. Now I, I was expecting it, and this is no offense to Allen, but I was expecting a complete dumpster fire train wreck. Not because of him specifically, but just had never done it before 
fast-paced environment. He sounded really good, though. I suppose as a president and CEO, you have to be a pretty good talker, communicator. He was. I thought he did really well. Huge, huge football fan, too, and been around a lot of uh, coaches and programs. Yeah, he definitely – uh, I will say this: there was, there was some more knowledge dropped on there that uh, you know you're not sure what you get right when you get some of that. But uh, certainly, I feel like uh, Matt will have an opportunity now again. Two different games, you know. Allen gets stuck with the App State game. Shorter last year didn't win a game, and so you assume again things change. But you assume ETSU should have a positive day, so Matt does get the luxury of having a positive. Are you game. blaming Allen Levine for the lost Appalachian State? That's what it sounds like to me. You might want to be careful. That's a powerful man you're mm. going after right now. I did tell him that we are very superstitious, and if they won, he would have to be in the booth the rest of the way. He did say, well, if I lose what happens, I told him we'd talk about it later. <laughs> Is that fair? That's fair. Okay. Here's the tw- I just want to read the tweet one more time, word for word. Bledsoe was the man for the Patriots. Missed a start. Brady takes over. Rest is history. This is what's happening at A. Levine 014 at Buck Sports Radio. And Alan, I had to chuckle when I Well, that. and I had to. He asked me what that meant because he was looking. And I asked him if he remembered Bledsoe got knocked out week two. Yeah. And just reading the tweet, he had forgotten. And then it was okay. like, oh, yes, yes, he got knocked out. So yeah, the other brilliant he, part was you're a Wally Patriots Pip. fan, so it was. Well, and I think that was the other reason why right. Willie threw it out there. Yeah. Uh, our pro is a bit excited himself. Michael Irvin, your thoughts? That was before the <laughs> my, was was that the 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 you right? That, that yes, was the Florida Miami, Miami right? Florida, right? Yeah. Wasn't that his oh, rant? We go rip out your damn heart. I mean, the video wow. too. I wish this was a television program. Sometimes, not for a lot of reasons, especially today what? because we both look oh, terrible. No. Today would not be good. Nobody wants to look at us today, but. Right? If you can see the sweat pouring down the face of Michael Irvin. Now, NFL Network, of course, very famous Dallas Cowboys receiver, was Troy Aikman's number one target for the longest time. Emmett Smith in the backfield, that Cowboys team was really, I think, for my generation, what ingratiated us to the Cowboys as America's team. And uh, that was a golden era for Dallas, which has not soon been back. It has been a really rough stretch for Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. But Michael Irvin, of course... Really doesn't need much of an introduction. He's now an NFL Network analyst. I think he does all their Sunday morning NFL game day type stuff. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of people get over there as much as they would to an ESPN or, or a Fox, but certainly being on the flagship of the NFL, a big deal still. But the sweat is pouring down his face, and you he is screaming. It is all black in this room, too. So... It's kind of tough to see him for a little bit because the lighting is so low, but then the lights come on and you really see that he is just so, so into it. My question is, you also do some emceeing, uh, a little bit of event hosting. If it was Chattanooga and ETSU in football and the conference title was online, let's even say the national championship. Chattanooga had made it to the national championship with ETSU in football. It was the night before the game. And there's a room full of ETSU donors players coaches everything and they ask you jay we need you to go up there and pump the people up would you tell everyone that they're you're gonna rip out their damn heart tomorrow chattanooga no listen i've got a great answer for that what i'm gonna do is immediately call up scott carter and just sit down (laughs) that's what i'm gonna do you're not gonna go over the top you know it there's one thing for the radio guy to go over the top but but i think you need a 
former player, you know, like and Scott I, is a classic over the top, yeah, oh, lots of energy, very oh, good. Oh, and passion, right? Yes. And it just oozes at him. So very good. So that that would be my answer to that. That's because that, that would that would get, get people fired up. Now I I could probably do an okay job. The crickets in the room after you would be done saying we're gonna rip out their damn heart. I would need to be a fly in the wall in that room. Yeah, because I don't to, think you get the reaction Scott would. I don't know how to. No, it. no, no, no. I wouldn't get that reaction. I, I could probably come up with something to at least get some sort of emotion out of folks, but I would pale in comparison to to what Scott would do. So that would be my game plan. I would I would basically just go up there, you know, I would like set the scene and get everybody for what it means you're playing and, your role and then go boom there and you're, then you're and not trying to be a hero you're yeah. playing your role that's Bam. smart that's, that's what i would do that's that's what i would do wow i'm i'm sweating myself after hearing uh, that from michael Irvin. bold predictions are next we didn't do any predictions on the actual game yesterday but we can check in on each of our season long predictions which we did make four apiece yeah mine's looking terrible uh mine doesn't look too good either unfortunately which awful. is not shocking for either of us it's awful all right we'll check out uh, the bold uh predictions recap uh coming up after this timeout santa's sidekick back in air sports network ETSU fans, there is no more entertaining way to spend your Wednesday nights than with the human soundbite reel, Randy Sanders. It's big boy football. The Buccaneer head coach joins Jay Sandos live at Wild Wing Cafe every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. And if you can't make it to downtown Johnson City to have chicken wings and tater tots with coach, you can listen right here on AM640. All fall long, ETSU head football coach Randy Sanders, Wednesday nights. What time is it anyway? 6 p.m. on the Sports Monster. Everyone in the stadium and across the NFL world is aware that quarterback Andrew Luck decided to retire. Antonio Brown ditches practice again after another issue with his helmet. There is a code that has been broken here with Antonio Brown. He's just not a good human. But unless you've been living under a rock, you guys all know that the AAF is folded. Wide receiver Josh Gordon has been reinstated and is now eligible to return to New England. The great Bill Belichick keeps giving Gordon chances. Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes told reporters flat out, if UCLA had paid his buyout, he probably would be at UCLA now instead of at Tennessee. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. At least we're honest about how bad we are. I just want to make sure that people understand why those sound bites are in the bumper. I'm going to go ahead and play Friday's bumper just so they understand the connection. Okay. Look, I think it's plain to see Andrew Luck is going to be the top quarterback in football this year. Nailed it. If you don't think Antonio Brown's going to be a model citizen when he finally gets out of Pittsburgh and makes his money, you're crazy. How about Ryan Clark says he's a bad human? Is a wow. It's only a matter of time before it overtakes the NFL. That's my favorite one. Ouch. You really think the NFL and Roger Goodell <laughs> is going to let Josh Gordon back? That's a bad emotional got Demarius one. Thomas release this I mean, week. It's obvious. Fletcher McGee is getting drafted, maybe even in the first round. No, 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 no. I've got plenty of sources more than you, Mike, in Knoxville. Rick Barnes is no way considering that UCLA job. <laughs> That's my favorite, I think. That's my favorite. <laughs> so everyone understands. Uh, we can reference back to this show now. We don't have to play it every week. We just say, all right, we did this on the September 2nd 
version of the show. Go to uh, bold predictions. All right, all right. Well, what's why. the you know, Ryan Clark thinks that Antonio Brown's a bad human. All right, that's my, fair, that's now, my in fairness, when I said that, I didn't know he's going to Oakland, and it just Oakland does something to people in general. It does. So it does. I'm just it is throwing, truly the black throw, hole. And by the way, uh, what, what, it, Brian Hoyer just signed a three-year, twelve million dollar. He's going to nine million guaranteed. Good nine million. Good for him. Meanwhile, Demarius Thomas is out on the street. Your thoughts? Uh, he'll be back. Okay. Uh, we have a couple of bold predictions from, I guess we can check in on last week's game. I mean, that's where this all starts, right? Season-long bold prediction. Can you Donovan skip my Manuel. Western Carolina? <laughs> can, <you laughs> just skip my, can we skip that one? Donovan, we'll, we'll get to that. Donovan Manuel leading ETSU in tackles this year. I'd say it's a pretty good start for you. He tied for second on the team in tackles this past weekend. Well, Jordan Lewis, MJ Woods, and Manuel was six. Artavia Smith, 11. So, what you read in that when you play a little higher level and all that, you're, you're getting more tackles from your, your safeties and your cornerbacks because they're in the third level. That's not good. Uh, but I think he led all the first or second level tacklers. Pretty uh, sure. You said there's going to be an emerging wide receiver this year, a one true option. You said one wide receiver for ETSU will have eight-plus touchdowns. Now, I don't think that included tight ends. It did not. It did not. So Nate Adkins had the only touchdown this past week. And now I don't think you're too worried about that because ETSU had only one touchdown. And certainly this coming weekend, as you're just looking at shorter stats right now, there's a chance for ETSU to really mount some points. So I don't think you're in too bad of trouble. One receiver, eight-plus touchdowns this year for ETSU. I, I still feel fine there. Still feel fine. We haven't uh, – So I mean, obviously there's there's one less opportunities, but but there's 12 games this year. So, right. so that's, that's true. Kind of, kind of throw away. So I, I'm fine there. For me, Nasir player, 10-plus sacks. Now, ETSU did not have a sack against Appalachian State on Saturday, but that's okay. Again, you're playing up level. I'm not too worried about that. I actually feel encouraged on my second one. Quay Holmes, 1,500 yards on the ground this year. He goes, as we mentioned earlier, 19 for 68. 68 yards. Um, did have two catches. Did not have any yards. But 68 yards against an FBS team, a defense that was sixth in the FBS last year in total defense across the country. I'm encouraged. So you said, what, 1,500? So we got 11 games left. He's got 68 yards. That's 1,432. So 1,432 divided by 11 tells me how much I need per 130. game. 130. 130 per game. Wow, that's a, that would be a, Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's I still feel pretty good. <laughs> still feel relatively well, listen, right. I, I mean, I, and that could be skewed. All, all you need is uh, another, you know, you got like a 200-yarder that one day. If you get one of those on the board, drops everything down, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for you, Western Carolina is going to be a playoff team. Boom. Across the FCS. Tell me they're not. <laughs> There's no playoffs in the SOCON. I know that. So you must be talking about, and, and, and surprisingly so, after this result, that Western Carolina is going to make the FCS playoffs. I just want to confirm. I, you you were under the impression oh, uh, that there are actually playoffs in the SOCON, right? Uh, there wasn't. The, well, there were. let me say this. There were about four shocking results. There were. From the Southern Conference alone this weekend. And I think South Carolina State beating Wofford by far is the top. But to me, it wasn't that Mercer won. I, 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 I think Mercer's right there with three or four other teams that can make a jump. They've got enough pieces there. It was really how ugly it was at one time Mercer was up on Western Carolina. That, that's really what, what shocked me. And, yes, I will be incorrect. You can go ahead and mark that off. <laughs> Matter of fact, I don't even want you to just go ahead and give it a loss and don't even bring it back up. That would be great. I'm going to bring it up every week. Uh, uh, Chattanooga making the uh, Southern Conference champion. Oh, they're, ma- they're Southern Conference champions. That's basically what I said. And so they're going to make the playoffs as well. Now, technically, I made that bowl prediction after their first game. So nothing's changed there. 24-10, to 10, the win over Eastern Illinois. You talk about odd results in the SoCon. How about Sanford now 0-2? 
59 to 58 double overtime loss to Tennessee. I don't know Tech. if you've seen the highlights of the last 16 points. So 99 seconds to go in the game. Okay. And Tennessee Tech needs two touchdowns, two two point conversions. And then in the second overtime, they don't have to go for two, but they make the call to go for two. And there's actually a guy wide open, and they almost overthrew him. Oh. He had to make a leaping uh, sort of uh, behind-his-head grab to secure the win. And so uh, former ETSU offensive line coach Dwayne Alexander, the head coach of Tennessee yep. Tech. Second year. But that was um, – and that goes back to, I think, Sanford style hurting them because they didn't know how to go to a four-minute offense, you know, to – you know they, they sort of are what they are, and they did that, and, and it just didn't work out. But it was uh, that there were some shockers. I, I think Sanford zero and two by far. Um, I, I don't think I would have saw. Now Youngstown, I, I think I had them losing, but I, I didn't have them losing Tennessee Tech. No, uh, South Carolina State. By the way, you talk about the Wofford upset. They were five and six last year, South Carolina State, in the MEAC. Yeah, I think they were picked uh, sixth in the MEAC too. Ouch! And Wofford came in at number eight in the country. My, not, oh my. Not, you know, and you talk about multiple teams getting into the FCS playoffs, and you you have to have the section. And then Citadel up on Towson, and Towson uh, Joe Flacco's uh, yeah, younger your brother Tom Flacco. Yeah, Tom came in there and led him uh, on a come from behind victory. But I really thought I was looking good there. I told people in the van, hey, Citadel, I feel like you know riding that four game win streak in the season. You know, they were going to – so there were a lot of things. Had some tight games uh, early in the season. Yeah, I, I really felt like, you know, Furman did what they were supposed to do. But a uh, little, bit, little bit shocked at some of those results. And, and some of it's not good if you're trying to get – you know, we're either going to have to have two teams in the Southern Conference pretty much, you know, maybe one loss, two teams with one loss, and that maybe you can get them in that way. But right now some of those non-conference games not looking good. I have Clemson out of the college football playoff. Of course, they entered the season as number one in the country. How many years in a row have they been? Like four? Since the college football playoff's been a thing, I, I don't even know how many it is. It's a lot. Basically, they're always in. So it is bold, uh, and they did not do anything to make me feel comfortable about that prediction. Trevor Lawrence, 168 yards in the score. Travis Etienne, 12 carries, 205 yards and three TDs. I could use a Quay Holmes-type game uh, like that uh, to get me back on track for my 1,500 yards in the season for Quay Holmes. T. Higgins, four receptions, 98 yards, a touchdown. Those are a lot of familiar names. They beat Georgia Tech. 52 to 14. You say no SEC team is going to be in the college football playoff championship game. Alabama looked a little bit shaky early on against Duke. It was nothing, nothing going to the second quarter. Now they do end up winning 42 to three, but certainly the favorite out of the SEC to be in that championship game is Alabama. They turned it on, got 21 third quarter points, ended up winning by 39. Tua, 26 of 31, 336 and four scores. And Georgia uh, against Vandy wasn't wasn't bad either. Those are the, th- those are the two most likely. Auburn, you Auburn after that comeback against Oregon, I mean, perhaps. I, I listen, LSU looked pretty daggone good against Georgia Southern. So uh, I think the SEC East that they thought were going to make a jump up to maybe uh, compete with SEC West. Besides Georgia, I'm, I'm not sure because Florida obviously didn't look good. Um, I don't even think we have to talk about the 90 miles down the road. And, uh, Do we not have to? I, I mean, would really love to. Let me to. tell you, driving in today, the national media, they are actually writing, like, what would be the worst jobs you could think of? The first the first caller was actually some guy works 10, 10 feet down from a slaughterhouse or something. Oh, come the, on. The second call was being a uh, 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 a ticket person for Tennessee. Oh, <laughs> That's the second my call I got. And I'm like, this is national. Like, Oof, it's not good. It's not good. So that's where we're at. I don't want to say that we're out of it already, 
Now, I don't think there's a lot of no. pluses. Aside from our ETSU predictions, I think those still look pretty okay. But you get to the SOCON and, and nationally. Now, I'm not going to mail it in. I mean, we've got 11 weeks to go. You can't judge anything. It's one opportunity, right? That's one opportunity gone. We've wasted that opportunity. Now we've got 11 more opportunities to get this right. And we're going to get it right. We'll make more predictions on Friday. Bold predictions on Friday. That'll wrap it up for a Monday. Wednesday, we'll have comments from Randy Sanders from the press conference today. We'll break down those for you. We'll also talk to, well, we've reached out. We kind of hope Mike Beavers will join us on Wednesday. We'll talk about Shorter and what to expect from a team that last year 0-11. Gave up lots of points. Gave up lots of points. They do return a lot of people. Mm. So see if the learning curve maybe. Maybe give up slightly less points. You know, maybe win But still hopefully a lot. Yeah, at least on Saturday. It'd be the first game. That'd be the other thing. Did not get a game in. This weekend, so they'll take, be the first time they take on an opponent. So we'll talk about that, break it down a little more. As we get a little further along, we hope to talk to the head coach of uh, the Hawks, if you will, Zach Morrison. He's a former player, so we'll try to talk to him as well. FCS Top 25 on Wednesday, too. Oh, I can't wait for that. We'll see how the shakeup is. Should be bold. Ba-da-ba. Wednesday, Santa Sidekick. Ba-da-ba. 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 See ya.